Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to the first in a series of shows that we're recording from a really exciting venue. I'm at the Convention Center in Houston, Texas. It is August 2017. The event is the ASI International Convention. We have literally people from all over the world. Actually, right across from me is, uh, is someone uh, who is in um, Powell Regalia, uh, Cherokee uh, friend of mine, Fred Rogers. We're hoping to have Fred on the uh, on the show shortly. But uh, we have folks literally from all over the world. There are people that are making a difference in Indian country. Fred is actually representing a group that does uh, uh, charity work for Native Americans here in North America. And across from me is someone who represents uh, work in another part of the globe, Peter uh, Vomastek. It's great to have you with us, Peter. Good morning, David. Thank you for inviting me. And you're very gracious. I have a hard time pronouncing that uh, Czech name. I really appreciate you've done it perfectly. Well, Petr and I had the privilege of working together not all that long ago, just about a month ago, wasn't it? Exactly. I was in the Czech Republic. Many of you know I have a book that recently was released called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. It's being translated into the Czech language. And along with what was planned to be the release of the book... I was in Prague and other parts of uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, Petr was one of the folks who was one of my translators. With a pleasure, David. And as we were comparing notes, Petr learned that I was going to be here at, at this ASI conference, and you had already planned to be here. Uh, yeah, I, I've planned it. I've been here already last year, and it was great spiritual nourishment for me. So I decided to join a ASI once again. So for those of you not familiar with ASI, it is a group of service-oriented individuals from across the professions, like I mentioned, some making a difference in Indian country, others, in Petra's case, making a difference with financial health. That's what our focus is going to be today, right, Petra? Definitely. So let's talk about the topic at hand, and we'll talk a little bit about you before we do. We're, we're focusing on financial freedom. And I'm thinking as a physician, a lot of people are in slavery physically. They may have drug addictions. They may have other health problems that really are undermining their physical health. You are a financial health professional, if you will. Tell us a little bit about your background. Basically, my vision when I was studying university was to become a medical specialist. Mm. Uh, I was very much interested in psychosomatics. I studied psychology. But then I, because of uh, the financial aspects of my life, quit the studies. I, uh, I left some time in, in Ireland, and when I came back to Czech Republic, I started working in real estate and became one of uh, the most successful broker in, in one uh, real estate network locally, and then became developer and investor. So um, that was quite a big shift, which I... I wouldn't imagine before mm -hmm. that uh, I would uh, be professional in this kind of field. Well, I mean, it's exciting to me, Petr, because you here are, are basically wanting to make a difference as far as people's financial health. You kind of had that orientation. You were interested in, the, in a healthcare career but transitioned into uh, real estate and other things of that nature. I was surprised. I mean, you're not 
Uh, you know, a lot of people listening on the radio, they can't tell how old someone is, but I would be surprised if you're even 50. Am I right? Uh, I'm, I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> is it a secret how old you are? I am 36. I saw a list. Someone showed me a list of awards that you've won, and I know this is something you weren't wanting me to probably talk about <laughs> on the radio, but uh, just so people know, I mean, you're, you've gotten all kinds of awards for your work in the Czech Republic and beyond. Tell us a little bit about some of the honors you've received. Uh, basically, I was six times in a row the most productive uh, broker in the Century 21 Czech Republic. Uh, I was uh, the first Czech broker which was announced to Hall of Fame of uh, International Century 21. I received twice uh, double century and nobody else received it yet in Czech Republic. So those kind of honors I received and I'm very grateful uh, and very humbled by it. Well, it's exciting. And we're glad that uh, you're not just wanting to take your success and build a, a great empire, but you're wanting to help other people. Yeah, definitely. I think if anyone is successful... Uh, it all it comes also with a bit of responsibility to, to to help other people who are not so fortunate. Now, Native Americans, like anyone else, I have Native friends who are quite wealthy. Others that I've met over the years who are really struggling. It's the same with Caucasian friends, African American, Asian. I mean, it doesn't matter what race. I mean, people. Uh, some are blessed financially. Others are having challenges. Can everyone actually attain financial freedom, or is there just a select few that can attain that? D David, that's a definitely great question. And uh, I definitely think that there are rules which, uh, if anyone will follow, he can, he can improve his financial health and uh, reach financial freedom. Uh, if I should a little bit start to talk about the finances, yeah, yeah. Um, my family was poor. My mother was academic. My my father, he left the family, so mm -hmm. we were growing up just with our mother. She mm -hmm. had three works. She couldn't manage it. So she had three jobs. Yeah, she she had three jobs. Uh-huh. Wow. So we, we haven't seen her much at wow. home. Wow, wow. Uh, so I, I was very deeply think about how would I structure my family in the future. Uh -huh. And I decided that I will be wealthy sometime okay. in the future. And I thought that if I will be um, if I will be willing to work hard and will be honest with the people, I will reach some reasonable stream of income. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I studied the medical school, I thought maybe it's too long to until I will finish the, the, mm -hmm. the studies and my mother didn't want to support me anymore. Uh -huh. So I was looking around uh, and as I told you, after I came back from Ireland, I was looking for some work which would be flexible, uh -huh. finished in, in real estate, and I got a great mentor. Hmm. And the mentor, the first, which he explained us the difference between the passive income and between the active income, and he told us, uh, he gave us the vision in 10 years to become financially free. Hmm. So first, I would like to stress the difference between the active and passive income. Okay, so I mean, this is great because you're breaking things down, trying to make it simple for us. So what I, what I love is I, I love your background, okay, because what we're really learning about is across from me here in the exhibit hall, and if you're hearing, you know, some background noise, you realize that this is a busy place, but Petr is someone who has struggled financially at one point in his life. Definitely. But now he's also someone who has significant assets, so you can relate to people at any end of that spectrum, right? Exactly. 
So you're trying to help us understand this difference between active and passive income. So, That's it. So, so help, help us understand that. Uh, active income is income that is generated by somebody's work. Mm-hmm. You have to go to work to be paid. Usually it's a salary okay. of, of an employee. But passive income is something which is, which is generating via other people's time, mm-hmm. like for entrepreneurs. Uh, which are establishing companies and growing the companies, or we have investing finances um, uh, for the investors. Okay, so if I invest in the stock market, funds that I'm getting through the returns on those stocks, that would be passive income. Dividends, yeah, definitely. Okay. David, that's a great example. It could be uh, investing into the into the stocks, into the precious metal, into the currencies, or into the real estate, okay. which is my field. Okay. So we've got this idea. And so basically, a lot of people, you know, when, you, when someone says, well, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, what they're telling me is they really don't have much passive income. Is that right? They don't have any passive income. And th- there is one more idea. The people are so financially healthy uh, as how long they are able to survive without uh, active income. I see. So if somebody is living from paycheck to paycheck is uh, they, they are on the brink of the financial heart attack i would uh-huh. say okay <laughs> a financial heart attack well if you're feeling right now as you're listening to american indian living you might be on the brink of a financial heart attack Peter Vomastek is here to help us to try to get some insights where we don't have to be in such a uh, a precarious situation right exactly so so help us we understand now Active versus passive income. Do we need to know some other kind of basic concepts before we're ready to, to launch into some of the deeper subjects? It's also good to talk about the bad and uh, good debt. Oh, bad and good debt. Yeah, there could be good debt. Uh, may- maybe some people won't realize it yet, but if you, for example, take a mortgage mm-hmm. and invest into the property, which you lease, and and the, the tenant is paying the mortgage, payment and uh-huh. there is some kind of reserve for you ah. which generates you the passive income then you you took a good debt okay. but if you take a debt for a car or for a vacation and then you need to pay off the debt uh, from your active income that is called a bad debt okay so um in other words what i hear you saying is the definition of good versus bad debt and i don't know if we want to be this specific because I'm trying I'm thinking of some examples you can help me out about this but one example of a good debt is if I borrow money but my payments on that uh, debt are offset and exceeded by the income that the debt is generating is, uh, is kind of the idea ex- or not? exactly the the, um, the only difference with which I would add uh, that usually the debt doesn't generate the income. You have to take the money and invest it into the something. Right, and right. And either you buy passives or you buy actives. Okay. And that's, that's, that's the difference. So now what about the difference? So, you know, you talked about your situation with education. Mm-hmm. And you were in a situation financially that was very difficult. You made a decision not to continue to get further education. Yeah. Now, that was in the Czech Republic, right? Yeah. Now, I don't know how the educational system works there, but here in the United States, especially with many Native Americans uh, and other people, they can get loans 
to uh, to go to school. Is that a good or a bad debt to get take a loan out to get further education? David, this is a little bit difficult for me to uh, decide because in my country, basically, even the university education is for free still. Oh, it is. Okay. For me, it was not the the decision whether to sustain the the study because of paying the tuition. It was more the decision whether to stay on the school and not generate income to cover my uh, real-life expenses. Oh, okay, and, and help with the family too, right? And I, I, I'm not able to evaluate if you pay for the school here. I, I was admitted to a university in the U.S. It was like $35,000 uh-huh. per year. Oh, so you were accepted? I was accepted, uh-huh. like... 20 years ago. Okay. And uh, and uh, I, I basically told myself that that's a crazy amount of money. I, I'm not sure whether I'd like to take a, such a debt. And I stayed in Czech Republic. I'm not saying it was a good decision, but at that time I, I was feeling the burden. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to be burdened in, in the future by it. At the moment, I'm, I'm joyful because I don't have such a, such a debt. Uh, I haven't spent five years on the school and I made significant load of work in the meantime and build a business and at the moment I'm training several people who are working for me and increasing their capacity to, to generate income and to train other people. Excellent. I you know, I've heard some people talk about this whole equation about paying for education or deferring uh earnings, you know, basically if you have free education because you're not making money at the time. And they've kind of looked at that in the context of what kind of earning potential you have. So someone who's going to school, but they're only going to get a a low-paying job with that career that they're studying for, you may say, well, that's really not worth the investment in the education. But I don't know, Petr, I guess as as a physician, I tend to be pretty positively inclined to people getting more education. David, me too as well. I think the education is the most important investment in, in your life. And I'm every month I'm investing into the seminars, into the books. Oh, good. Uh, I'm listening to three three books monthly and things like that. And I'm third generation of the teachers. So, wow. So okay. in my family, the education was the the highest value which you can obtain, uh-huh. definitely. But uh, I would I would a little bit... In my country, I would a little bit separate uh, the academic education and the practical experiences which you can obtain in life and which can help you sustain in life and help and serve other people. No, that's that's a great contrast. Well, listen, we have already uh, just about uh, slipped away uh, as far as the time from us, uh, as far as this first segment. But, uh, Petr, you're able to stay by for our next segment, right? sure. We're going to be talking more about principles of financial freedom. I'm Dr. David DeRose. The show you're listening to is American Indian Living. We're recording live in the venue of Houston, Texas. Of course, it is a pre-recorded show, but, but here... We are surrounded by people interested in making a difference in your life. Petter's no different. He will be back with us. I will be too. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it. 
but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I am Dr. David DeRose. We're recording programming at the ASI International Convention in Houston, Texas. Across from me, Petr Volmestek. Uh, Petr and I were, were kind of laughing at the break because I, I said, Petr, you know, how do I introduce you? I, I learned that, uh, among other things, he's the founder and president, and I'm saying that smiling. You'll hear why in a minute, of Volmestek Investment and Development, LLC. And, uh, Petr, you said in the Czech Republic, you folks are not so much into who's the founder and the president and stuff. You run the company, but you usually don't refer to yourself as the president, huh? Um, not much. And you think this is funny that Americans do this? Well, well, some of them, they are definitely presidents, and they have lots of um, achievements behind them. But sometimes you find uh, companies which have three people, and all of three are presidents. So that's <laughs> a little bit laughable for okay, me. Okay, very good. So Petter is sharing us uh, insights into financial freedom. He's given us some of the ground rules. He's talked about active and passive income, and he's talked about good debt versus bad debt. And so to, to recap that, that last concept, if I'm incurring some good debt, maybe I'm borrowing money that I'm going to then invest and get greater return on that investment then I'm having to pay on the debt. It exactly, is- David. You summarize it perfectly. Okay. So any other concepts we need to, to understand before we can really deep, go Basically, deeply into this? Just to, just to emphasize the process of investing, where I take okay. some resources like time or money, uh-huh. and I'm, I am allocating them into some asset, which will then generate the rent or the dividend, and 
that's making the cash flow for me. Cash flow, also the stream of income, uh, long-term stream of income, um, uh, that, uh, that will be the passive income. Now, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. There's a lot of people listening. They're business people. They're maybe leading out in a tribal enterprise or they're working in some other very responsible position. They're, they're right on the same page with you. But I know a lot of my listeners, whether they're native or not, they're thinking, well, this doesn't, I mean, I don't use this language. I, why would I be borrowing money? I'm already, you know, paying on a car. I'm paying on my house. Is this really a discussion for everyone as far as what we're talking about on today's show? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you don't have to be wealthy when you decide to have a passive income later in your life. Um, it took me approximately five years until I invested the first property. It uh-huh. was commercial unit. And then after 10 years, I bought 15, and 15 other properties. How many uh, properties? 15. 15? Yeah. And at the moment, I have like three development projects in, in our capital and several income-producing properties, several lands for future development. And basically, I did it. I was a broker. Uh-huh. I earned some commissions. But I, I follow the rules, which we can talk about later on, no, how to manage your private finances uh-huh. to, to become better off in the future and to be heading to the uh, financial freedom. Financial freedom, for me, means that you don't have to work anymore and you can just live off the passive income, which is genera- generated by your investments, either to, to properties, that's my field, real, est- uh, real estates, or into other um, reasonable investments, let's say. Okay. Well, I think you've got everyone's interest, especially maybe some people that are struggling and they're saying, I'm just trying to pay my own bills, and you're suggesting that I may be able to generate passive income even though I don't have a a large earning capacity. And that's really what you're saying. I want to just make sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so help us. Uh, okay. But we have to go step by step. Okay, well, let's let's do that. What's the next step we've got to talk well, about? Well, if, if I'm a person who is financially struggling, which was for me like, let's say, 17 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, several times they cut my mobile phone. Oh, really? Because of I was not able to pay the bill. And that was quite, I was ashamed by it. And I decided uh-huh. after a second time they, they connected off, uh, they cut it off. I, I told myself, let's make a reserve. I don't want this happen to anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think the first step for anyone is to make a reserve, at least six months um, um, of of the of the monthly income, and then that's the first step. Now, can this is the this is kind of the age old question because when people then the funds are tight and they say, well, I'm as we you know we use that illustration, living paycheck to paycheck. How can I? save money if it seems like there's not enough money to even last me through the month? I think that is always solution. Okay. Yeah, the, 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 the way to the solutions and overcoming obstacles are questions. If you questions? Can, yeah. If you can ask good questions, you always find answers because questions are pregnant with the answers. That's, okay. that's one of the thought of my uh, high school teacher and I follow that in every field, and it helped me a lot to improve in many fields. Uh, so, so if you are, if you have limited finances, you have mm-hmm. to be budgeted, and mm-hmm. I think you always have enough, plenty. So the first is to to give tithes. Give tithes. Yeah, that's middle, maybe a little bit revolutionary. Okay, now 
So just so you understand where Patrick's coming from, now you are a Christian. Yeah, definitely. And uh, some of my listeners, they say, yes, you know, we're Christians, we're, we're Bible-believing Christians. I'll be honest with you, I have a significant listenership who identifies themselves as Christians. But I will also tell you, I have a significant listenership who are not Christians. Uh, some of them tribal land, some of them actually, they look at the history of how Christians at least in their part of the country, treated First Nation peoples, and they don't want anything to do with Christianity. So we're trying to talk about principles. Are you saying this is a principle that applies whether you're a Christian or whether you're following a traditional Native religion? Uh, definitely. Uh, there, there are certain um, verses in the Bibles which encourage us to give tithes and offerings. And, uh, for example, Malachi, Malachi 3.10 or Luke 6.38 where we are encouraged to give uh, generously, and God will pour us with uh, um, with so much that we won't be able to bear it. So, so you're saying this a principle. Yeah. And so whether a person speaks about a creator or a God, if you're being more generous, what you're telling me is that things are going to come back to you? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure whether I would say come back to you, but I uh -huh. would say it's a principle. And also, uh, how I understood it, Personally, it's also great psychologically because huh. uh, if you don't, if you feel you can't give, you 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 have the mentality of scarcity. Interesting. If you go and give tight, uh -huh. then you feel you can give it. You, huh. you have plenty, and and I think this gener generates some kind of mental positivity, which uh, basically, for me, when I start to do it. Uh, I felt like I deserved the success. Huh. Now, this is its such an interesting concept. So basically what you're saying, and this is true. Uh, now, the tithe, of course, is 10%. Isn't that traditionally what? So it actually literally means that. At, at least 10%. Okay. You can give more. Okay. So, so 10% or more. And, uh, you know, this has been, like you mentioned, there's a, a biblical concept of it. But in Indian country, when people talk about giving back mm -hmm. or when they're sharing with other people, you're saying that we're at, whenever we give, it's cultivating this attitude of abundance. Abundance, exactly. I really like that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I've ever thought about it in those terms. Uh, I felt it every time I was doubt, doubting about, uh, about giving and donating. And I start, I felt much better. Huh. And... I was like, well, that's kind of the explanation on the psychological level. But maybe many people would understand it uh, after they try it. In the Malachi 3.10, the God is <clears throat> saying to us, try me. And try me. I, I'm all, when I'm speaking with the people about the faith and about the times, I told them, please try him. He huh. will show it to the other. The other great concept, and you've got our minds going, at least my mind is running, that I don't think I've heard articulated this way, is you mentioned that one of the keys to success is asking the right questions. Sure. And that questions are pregnant with answers. Did yeah, I catch yeah, that? Yeah. That's um, a powerful concept. So basically, right now, some people are probably asking a question. They're saying, is what this guy's saying really true? Does it really make sense? I, I'm struggling financially. He's suggesting that I've got to find ways to give at least 10%. And if I start giving, then it's going to give me this mentality. Instead of scarcity and lack, it's going to start changing my mindset to a mindset of abundance. Am I hearing that? Exactly. Exactly. 
I like these principles, and I know we're not we're not at the end of the discussion. But what other things do we have to understand to really uh, grasp how to get on this path to financial freedom? So first, tithes and offerings. Then, uh, budget wisely the daily consumption mm. and set reasonable living standard. I think many people they decide they they have a dream of living lavishly, mm. but they cannot afford it. And it's always better to live under your means. Uh, when I was earning a lot of money, I was uh-huh. still living on my student budget many years, oh, really? and that helped me to launch the real estate investments. Now that's great. Uh, and I think this is kind of um, uh, discipline for which it is necessary to decide in the beginning, mm-hmm. not in the meantime. So that's the second rule. Then third point is to create the reserve fund for the emergencies, at least six uh, months of consumption, optimal one year, uh, then saving for the investments and dreams, and the last one, uh, fund for education experiences and emotional dividend. Petra, you've laid some great groundwork down for us. We're going to break out some of those last concepts in just a couple of minutes. Our time for this segment has slipped away from us again, but we have got more coming up with Petr Vomastek. I've been excited about what uh, what Petr's been sharing with us because he's really connecting on a very practical level. I'm excited about what he's talking about as far as financial freedom and financial health. I know you'll be excited about what's coming up in the next segment. Do not go away. We will be right back right after this on American Indian Living. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. 
Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Our show today, if you're just joining us, is being recorded in a exciting and vibrant venue. We're at the Convention Center in Houston, Texas. It's August 2018. It is a pre-recorded show, so you're listening to it a little bit after the time in which it was recorded. But it is an exciting place because we have people from literally all over the world, especially people interested in making a difference in other people's lives, whether it's in the heart of Indian country or far from it, as in the case of Petr Vomastek, my guest on today's show. Petr is based in the Czech Republic. That's his birthplace, right? Definitely, David. As well as your current home. Absolutely. And you've been sharing with us principles of financial freedom. I've been excited about some of the things you've been sharing. You talked about, uh, I mean, I'm still, uh, my mind is still processing the, some of these exciting things you mentioned. And some of the people tuning in, I, I know there's this danger that they think I'm overly repetitive. But when I hear something that just resonates with me, uh, you know, I, I'm still thinking about it as we're dialoguing. And I love this concept. Having been a teacher myself, The idea that asking the right questions is really the key because those questions have within them the answers. Definitely. And uh, I'll tell you a true story. Right here at this venue, someone came up to me, and uh, they actually paid me uh, an indirect compliment. They were thanking me in a way for uh, for my son. They said how much they appreciated him as a student, as one of his professors at the the university he attends. And uh, basically he was saying... You know, Victor asks good questions. You know, he's Mm – and so I'm processing that. Asking the questions really brings the answers when you ask those right questions. I got a a question for you in light of that. Perfect. I was just speaking in an area where there's a significant Mm -hmm. native influence. I was Mm -hmm. up in uh, Canada, a lot of aboriginal peoples there. And I ran into someone that I had known some years ago, and she was actually sharing with me a sad story. She and her husband were doing quite well financially. They ended up getting all kinds of nice things, but they were uh, buying these things on credit. So they had mm-hmm. several properties and you know recreational vehicles and things. And then this was probably a decade or so ago when the financial market turned here in North America mm-hmm. – his income, active income, dramatically dropped, sure. mm-hmm. and they ended up pretty much losing everything because mm-hmm. they were, mm-hmm. um, even though they had a lot, they had a lot of debt. Help us, because this is not only a problem if you're making a lot of money, it can be a problem with a little. Can you help us understand, uh, for example, investment in a home, a car? How do you know whether it's good, whether you're over your head? Perfect, David. That, that's a wonderful question, and you really hit the topic on, on the nail. In, in real estate, you can do a lot, but you can also lose a lot mm-hmm. if you don't study the, the market. Okay. Uh, basically, if you, before the government let you uh, to drive your own car, you have to do a driving license. Right, you have right. to train, you have to, uh, you have to study the rules, you have to pass the exam uh-huh. until 
you buy a real estate, nobody is asking you to do any kind of research huh. any, uh, to obtain any kind of education. And what I see, especially right now, when, especially in my country, and I would expect in US, it's very kind of s- similar at the moment. The market is on the peak. Uh, m- many people who don't know about investing into the real estate much, they haven't studied the market. They just read in the papers that it's popular, that uh, the mortgages are available, and they go hit the market, buy something, and and basically acquire lots of debt. And because they are not educated, they think that if the prices are rising, they will be rising forever. But real estate market is cyclical. So um, I would recommend those ones who are willing to learn uh, to find the website of uh, Ray Dalio, which is... What is it? Ray De- Dalio. It's um, it's a hedge fund manager, six, I think 16th wealthiest uh, American. And he uh, has the website uh, econ- uh, How the Economic Machine Works. Oh, and how the, the Economic how Machine the economic Works. How the Economic Machine Works. And that is in 20 minutes explained this, the economical cycle. So basically, someone wants to learn about this. And you're saying you can just put in, like, Google or something how the economic machine works? Yeah. It's very simple, 20-minute video, and you can see there the short-term uh, cycle and long-term cycle. And basically what we can uh, what we can observe during our life is the short-term uh, cycle, which is 7 to 10 years. And there is a risk that if you buy the property on the peak of the cycle, next 7 to 10 years, you are not able to recuperate the money. If you buy it on the low, you can sell it in several years, Uh tens of percents, and sometimes multiples of the the purchase price higher. So there could be this, uh, well, especially in 2000. A 2009, right, right. this was involved, and it was not just in U.S., it was in our country as well. Okay, so basically, can, are you saying that someone can have an idea of when that cycle is going to occur, and it's it's pretty reliable that every 7 to 10 years you're going to have... It's, it's practically irregular. Really? So, so uh, well, the advice which I can give is the simplest advice which you can hear from many of the investors... And and that's the counter rational advice. If when everybody is buying sell, and when nobody is like to buy, let's go and buy something. But uh, it's more difficult because when somebody approach me, whether it's good time to buy, I always tell them you can buy very interesting investment property on the rising market, even on the market which is uh, going down, uh-huh. and you can also buy a crap on both markets. You just have to understand the processes which which are on the markets. For example, on the rising markets, you cannot negotiate. You have to be the fastest. Uh, you, have to, uh-huh. you have to find the right property, go and buy it. And uh, basically, uh, be, uh, be the winner uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in the bidding. Uh-huh. Uh, on, the, on the falling market, you have to negotiate a lot. Otherwise, you are buying expensively. Too high. Too high. Wow. Well, so how about this question? So someone is listening right now. Let's say funds are very tight, and, and I've got patients, for example. I'm in a, 
uh, underserved area in California where I see my patients. There have been some major fires there over the last few years, so property has become more scarce. Mm -hmm. Rents have gone up, and I have patients telling me, you know, their place is being sold, the the new owner is not going to rent to them, they're looking for a place, and Mm -hmm. they can't find something within their means. Some people are thinking, well, maybe I should be buying. How do you decide whether you should be buying and not renting if you have fixed income? Well, um, the major idea is that your own home is not an investment. Um, It's not general, but uh, uh, for somebody who would like to be prudent with his investments, your own home is not an investment. Uh, I had several investment properties which were generating income for me and I was still living in the in the rented apartment. And oh, okay. after some time, I acquired a loan which was just... Uh, uh, I'm just able to pay the interest rate and uh, and then I evaluated I can buy a small home for me. Uh, and it, from the cash point of view, it, will, it was more positive than to be in the rented apartment. Okay. But if somebody is buying market rate, paying just the loan and speculate on the capital appreciation, he could be wrong and then uh, he gets into the troubles. Uh-huh. So so when you are investing, I'm, I always have several scenarios. Mm-hmm. If the market goes differently than I expect, I always have some other ways how to solve the situation. Okay. Uh, and basically, to anyone who would like to start investing into the properties, I would recommend to buy and rent to somebody else than to buy a home. Because uh-huh. if you are renting to somebody else, you know for sure that you have the reserve. If if you are renting, have at least 20% uh, reserve over uh, the mortgage payment. I think it's called in the bank uh, terminology DCR, uh, the, the, that coverage rate ratio uh, 1.2 which means that you have 20% reserve. And if the market goes sour, usually the 20% is enough to be the bumper for you still to cover uh, the mortgage payment from the acquired, uh, from the collected rent. So you're saying, if I'm, if I'm trying to uh, put all this together, you're saying it might be possible for someone even who's struggling somewhat mm-hmm. to still get a loan and actually, if they're, the loan payment is 20% less than what they can generate in monthly rent, they're making a good decision? Sure, sure. But uh-huh. then there are, there are several more aspects. Okay. The, this, is, this is the major idea, major theme of our discussion uh, of real estate investment, uh-huh. uh, investing. <clears throat> But then when, for example, I'm acquiring properties, I, you have to study the market okay. and you have to buy the property on the market, which uh, have a bright future. Uh-huh. Um, some markets c- could, I would call it, fall into the disgrace. Okay. For example, some huge uh, employer could leave the city right, right. and the market, especially in my country, this doesn't happen, but I've seen it in U.S. Oh, no, for sure and, and, and the cities never recover afterward. Mm-hmm. For example, if Boeing leaves some city, mm-hmm. uh, what's the probability that an uh, employer of such a scale will come to that city in a f- close future? Right, Probably right. Not, not huge. So you have to study the history. 
study it yourself, acquire some professionals, trustworthy brokers, uh, mortgage advisors, and really to to observe the market for some time to have reliable track record mm-hmm. of the of the market and also study the individual property because properties are o- always about the location so mm-hmm. one property um, on certain crossing could be good and several streets farther it could be right, well, right. Real, really bad especially for commercial property right uh, for commercial well i uh, even it, residential it yeah. it could be there could be difference even with the residential uh-huh, i would uh-huh. say so I'm reflecting on what we've talked about. I mean, I, th- I think you've been giving us some great points, but as I'm, as I'm listening with the ear of my listeners, if, uh, if I can do that, I'm saying a lot of great stuff, but for the average person who may be struggling, the most practical thing I've heard is kind of a counterintuitive thing where you talked about this concept of tithing or even when you're struggling giving some of your money away, helping with charity. I know in this last segment that we've got coming up, you're going to really focus on talking to a person who's struggling, helping them get ahead financially. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. We've got that in mind, Patrick. If you've been listening, you've been enjoying this dialogue like I have, we've got some of the most practical stuff coming up in our last segment. So don't miss it. Petr Volmastek He runs a a variety of organizations in the Czech Republic and Eastern Europe, and he's sharing his uh, financial expertise. If you don't remember, he's someone who started with nothing, who's now uh, very successful in Eastern Europe. He's sharing those concepts with you. Those final closing thoughts in our last segment, don't miss it. Dr. David DeRose will be back with you. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, 
Doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. We are in the home stretch of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose sitting across from Petr Vomestek. Petr heads up a number of corporations in the Czech Republic. He has traveled thousands of miles to be at this venue. We're in Houston, Texas at the convention center here. And Petter, like others, attending the ASI International Convention, where I'm interviewing him. Petter, we've been talking about financial freedom, and I've been concerned that although we've been talking about stuff that I know ultimately applies to everyone, so many people, when we start talking about investing and investing in properties, they're saying, well, you know, I've got all this credit card debt, or I've got this, you know, huge mortgage that, I can't imagine investing in something else. How do you speak to that person who's been listening? How, how do they start getting on this path to financial freedom? David, thank you for posing the right question for me. What I haven't mentioned first, uh, perform the plastic surgery. Plastic, that, surgery. plastic surgery, that means cut your credit cards. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I appreciate all these medical <laughs> illustrations. So plastic surgery is cutting credit cards. This exactly. is great, Patrick. Are you just coming up with this on the fly? Well, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, so we, we cut, the, uh, cut the credit cards, and, and what happens then? Do a great, uh, basically, budget the best you are able. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so cut your monthly income okay. and divide it into the categories. As I said, diets and offerings, basic expenses like food and shelter, uh-huh. and definitely some clothes, and then the financial reserve. Mm-hmm. The financial reserve is the is the first which anyone who is struggling has to focus on to have the reserve not uh-huh. to pay not to live from paycheck to paycheck but have a bumper for some emergencies and things like that and after and that's the next category and then you can start to work on the investments dreams and emotional dividend and education now let me see if I'm understanding this right Peter if i'm in debt, let's say, yep. and I've got a bunch of credit card bills. Are you saying as I'm working to pay those off, I still should be keeping some reserve? Or since I'm paying so much interest, I'm better off putting every spare cent into paying off that credit card debt. Maybe it's at 15 or 20%. Do you see what I'm asking? So if let's say I'm making $1,000 a month and I've got a $10,000 credit card bill. If I can save $200 that month out of the 1000 should I put it all into paying off that debt? De- definitely. First, you have to pay pay off the debt, which is very expensive. Right, right. Or refinance it by a debt, which is, uh, let's say, more friendly. Okay, so co- a consolidation loan or something. and 
yeah, sometimes it's possible to do it even with a mortgage because oh, okay. on the credit card you will have 14, 17%, maybe more even. And on the, on the mortgage you will have 2.5, maybe 3.5%, oh, which okay. is a big difference. So you're saying someone might look at taking out a second mortgage to pay off their credit card well, debt? Basically, they can consolidate the loans. There I are see. many companies who focus on, on this kind of discipline. And if you approach them, they will advise you and they can refinance the, the bet, uh, the, the very expensive loans for some loans which are, uh, less demanding. Okay. So. And sometimes, uh, and again, the mortgage, you can spread, uh, the payments for longer. Credit card, you, you don't have such a long time frame okay, okay. to pay it. So someone right now, they got a lot of debt. They're trying to get out of it. Cut the credit cards up. Don't use them anymore because that will make you more financially disciplined. Exactly. Uh, not so easy to buy things because if you don't have the cash, you can't do it, right? If you don't have the credit card. Uh, basically, buy just with the cash Okay. and budget the cash. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Okay. okay. Don't buy anything except what is planned, what's you, on your schedule to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's a discipline. I'm not sure whether everyone would be able to execute it like that, but if you will work on that this way, you will get out of it promptly. Wonderful. So basically you're saying if you stop incurring debt and you, if you got a lot of debts, look into the possibility of a consolidation loan. Go ahead. Uh, basically my mentor, he always told me that many people think that um, uh, getting to financial freedom is just about saving and he told us that's like a brake in the car. A brake? Uh, like a brake that you are braking. But uh, there are two uh, forces. The first one is to increase your income uh-huh. and then to break the expenses. Okay. So uh, when somebody is struggling, you have to first break the expenses, lower the expenses, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and pose good questions how to expand your income mm. how to educate yourself to be better paid how to acquire some other job income stream how to invest into some whatever property field farmland uh-huh. some small business of your neighbor maybe to give somebody a loan huh. who will pay you some interesting interest uh-huh. uh, i was lending the mon- money before i start to heavily invest into into the properties but that was very well secured uh, loans Okay, very good. So you've been giving us some practical pointers. Anything else that would speak to that person who may not, maybe they're not in debt, maybe they're, they, uh, at least as far as credit card debt, maybe they have a, a car payment, maybe a home payment. Is that person in a position to start uh, investing? What do you say to them? At the moment, we are, I guess, and I'm very convinced that we are on the peak of the real estate cycle. So if somebody has a debt on the property uh, and he doesn't feel very comfortable, I would consider to sell the property, uh. buy a mod- more modest one, and use the spare money to invest and, buy- and acquire investment property which would generate him some income. Huh. So through the way of downsizing, he can generate some uh, cash flow which would make him better off. Uh, that would be my way of treating this kind of uh, situation. And with a car, it could be similar. Either he can survive some time without the car, basically sell the car. Uh-huh. The car is valuable. Well, in U.S. it's different. In my country, you can survive without a car. You can use the public transportation. Uh-huh. Uh, it's very good. But uh, if you use it for your business, then you need it. It's an investment right, into the right. business. If you use it just to be uh, more comfortable, then I would uh, I would really consider to to dispose the car and work on the reserve 
on the paying off the debt and then maybe acquire some modest car. Okay. Well, I, I know in Europe, the public transportation is excellent. When we were there recently, I mean, we were traveling uh, quite some distance with public transportation. Uh, I know some folks in America, especially in Indian country. It's not uh, the same. Yeah. Oftentimes you need some kind of transportation. But here's the point. You're telling us, look at your expenses very carefully. And if you are expending more than you really uh, probably should be for your home, for a vehicle, then look at downsizing. Maybe it's even driving a less expensive vehicle. That might be an option, huh? Yeah, exactly. I have one more rule for the car. Uh, I, I acquired my first car after I acquired first investment property. Wow. That okay. was one rule. And the other one was buy the car up to 20% of your um, net capital. So, so not more. I, I think many people, they earn the money and they invested, invest heavily into the car, uh-huh. which for most of them is, is a passive in, um, purchase. So, so that's another one. And I mentioned it in, in one of uh, the first uh, conversation, uh, set very prudently your living standard. Okay. No, I mean, these are, these are just incredible principles. Well, Petra, you've mentioned some resources online. Any other places where people can get more information? Very easy to understand book with these principles are books, uh, uh, rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich Dad? Uh, rich, rich Dad, Poor Dad? Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh-huh. uh, from David Kiyosaki mm-hmm. and Cashflow Quadrant from David Kiyosaki. I would definitely recommend this. Do, do, that's an ABC of investing. Uh, we do real estate, uh, uh, Dolph Deru's books on investing. That's a guy from Australia who invested um, um, very complexly in, into the properties. That's a very interesting resource as well. And what was that resource? Uh, 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 Dolph Derus, uh, any book on investing into the real estate. Okay. And then the Bible. The Bible is also a book about um, uh, maintaining stewardship and about the wealth and sustaining the health as well. So you're saying even someone who isn't interested in learning about uh, the roots of Christianity or Judaism can learn business principles from if the Bible? Can, he, if he can derive the, the principles of uh, uh, maintaining wealth and stewardship, yeah, I think it, it, it can enrich him as well. Well, you, you've definitely given us a lot of provocative material and practical material. Petr Vomestek has been my guest. He is uh, someone who has made a, a success at a young age in the Czech Republic, and he's someone who's interested in helping other people. It brought him here to America, to the ASI convention, where people are helping others and inspiring each other. And hopefully he's done that for you. If you want more information about things that uh, uh, Petter suggested, he uh, pointed you uh, to resources like the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But the bottom line is, uh, I think as we walk away from the show, don't live beyond your means. Look for ways that you can invest and make a difference. For all of us at American Indian Living, we've got to say goodbye, but thank you for joining us. Hopefully, as always, this show has made a difference in helping you to be at the very best of health. I'm Dr. David DeRose, wishing you success always. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.